and good morning lighthouse it's uh sunday after christmas i trust you've had a really good christmas uh time with your family and uh yeah it's been uniquely different for those of you you're celebrating on your own and it's it's, it's a very different day so i've entitled my message uh, this morning so really what's after christmas you know after christmas sometimes is a good time to reflect on what we've seen and what we've heard I wonder just how many times have you actually heard the Christmas story? I'm sure most of you could tell the Christmas story off by heart. I know as a family that as my boys were growing up, we would, the first thing we would do Christmas morning is, of course, we'd always have a really good breakfast, go to have some food, especially in the Nineveh household. And then after that, we would sit as a family and around the fireplace, and we would take turns reading the Christmas story from the Gospel of Luke. And it was just a means of trying to get us to focus on the real meaning of Christmas. And it was a tradition we really liked. Well, the boys have all got their own families now. Things have changed dramatically. And they're all off in different parts of the province and different parts of Canada. And for some of you, you uh, don't have family with you either. And I just pray that God would just bless you and encourage your hearts. You've had to perhaps talk by phone or by video, um, whatever uh, platform you use to be able to do that. But again, uh, again, I just want to wish to you and your family a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year on behalf of myself and Rose uh, and the Lighthouse family. Um, I think you've probably heard enough sermons, prayers, and so sometimes the, the real truth about Christmas sometimes really doesn't penetrate our hearts. I think the first way to sometimes respond to the Christmas message is to make it fresh in your heart by refreshing your memory. So if we look in the Gospel of Luke, we're going to pick it up there, and we're going to look at Luke 2, 15 through to verse 20. Luke 2, 15 through to verse 20. The angels had just met with the shepherds and told them the glorious news that indeed Christ was born in Bethlehem to check it out. And in verse 15, we pick it up. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they saw, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And that ends the reading of God's word. So let's just bow our heads in prayer as we ask for God to bless this word to our hearts as we kind of dig into God's word today and see what God has in it for us. Father, thank you for the wonderful word of God. Lord, thank you for the, the greatest message ever, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ coming to save the world from sin. So Father, this day as we spend time focusing on you and on your word, I pray that your Holy Spirit would literally guide us into your truth. Help us, Lord, to learn, to grow, for some of this story is, is something that we've heard over and over again. But Lord, refresh our hearts, refresh our minds as we look with joy at what you have done for humanity and the great gift of Jesus Christ. We give you thanks in Christ's name. Amen. I was reading a greeting on one of the Christmas cards recently, and it, it kind of goes like this. Christmas is just plain weird. What other time of year do you sit around staring at a dead tree in your living room and eat candy out of your socks? I thought that was rather humorous. Uh, there are some things about the whole Christmas story that sometimes are kind of weird. A virgin teenager gets pregnant. Visits by angels. Caesar's tax. 
A trip to Bethlehem, but no room at the inn. God born in a stable. All too incredible sometimes to know what to believe. I know you've probably heard the story many, many times, but have you ever stopped to really think about it? C.S. Lewis said this, we don't need to be told new ideas so much as we need to be reminded of old truths. In Isaiah 9, verse 2, we read these words. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. In Isaiah 9, 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Names all given to the wonderful baby that was born in the manger, Jesus Christ. God's own son made an appearance on earth in what I would call the lowliest of circumstances. Uh, that humble birth conveys uh, an amazing message to creation that a transcendent God stooped down to come to us. Instead of coming to earth as a pampered, privileged ruler, Jesus is born in meekness like as one of us. He's approachable, he's accessible, available. There are no palace gates that bar the way to him, no rising of guards to prevent our approach. The king of kings came humbly, and his first bed was a manger. And Luke 2.12, we read these words, and this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. The angel does not say to the shepherds, wait till you meet Mary or Joseph. They're just awesome people. No. Or you're going to see some really cute little barn animals when you go to see Jesus. That wasn't it. The focus really was on the baby and him only. Notice dramatic, the dramatic contrast of the exalted titles that Gabriel says to the angels. That the Gabriel says to the shepherds, pardon me. He calls him Savior, Christ, Lord, given to such a little baby in such a humble, lowly setting. As Paul would write later in the New Testament, he said, Jesus emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and be made in the likeness of men. The mystery of the humanity of Jesus Christ is that he sunk himself into flesh, our flesh, it really is beyond all human comprehension. The fact that he would come and identify with you and I. See, God is willing to make any accommodations to have fellowship with us. Then we pick it up in the passage we read. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, after hearing this message about the Messiah, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. See, the angel presence does not last forever. Angels leave. How would the shepherds respond, I wonder? These tough men whose theological education came from the pasture and from an angelic encounter rather than the synagogue and the rabbis in that day. They made an immediate decision. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's check it out. Let's see what God has done, what's been reported. Let's check it out. I admire that. They wanted to be part of the work that God was doing in the world. They said, we want to see what God's up to. Uh, I wonder about that. Do you and I want to be part of the work that God is doing in Amherstburg? Do we want to see God at work? Do we want to be involved? Or would we rather just warm a pew on a Sunday morning? It's amazing 
Disciples, the shepherds, pardon me, saw the work of God in the face of a baby lying in the manger. Can you imagine that? Sometimes we say, well, what kind of work has God up to? Well, it really would have been really, in a sense, an intriguing challenge because they said, God was saying, I've begun my work to redeem humanity from lostness and from sin, and they see it in a little baby. Can you even, in a sense, try to comprehend that God's plan was a baby? Babies are beautiful, they're cute, they're cuddly, and they sometimes be a challenge. But in this one, let's leave it at cute and cuddly and nice. But who could even comprehend that God's work would begin with a, a little baby? But they saw God's work in a baby. It's amazing that God would use society's lowest occupation, that being shepherds. And that was different in that day because if you go back in Israel history, King David was a shepherd. And he was looked on very well. And you look at some of the uh, occupations of the Jewish people from the time of Jacob and on. They were all shepherds. Even when they went into the land of Goshen in Egypt, they were called, they were shepherds. But at this juncture, in this time of history, shepherds were a, a lowly occupation. And so God used these shepherds with their limited resources to begin his awesome work of salvation. He used a baby. He uses shepherds. Let's stop there for a second. If you were going to do the greatest work and present the greatest message to this world, would you use a baby? Would you use shepherds whose testimony could not even be used in a court of law? But I want you to remember very clearly, and we talked about this last week in my message, and that's this, remember who God chooses. I'll repeat that verse from last week. 1 Corinthians 1, 28 and 29. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. See, the Holy Spirit included this story in God's Word so we would not miss the real point and that the Savior of the world was not Caesar Augustus. It was not some great world leader. It was a baby in a manger. The Savior of the world is Jesus, my friend. The Son of God who came to earth, veiled in Mary's flesh, born in human flesh, lived in the flesh, died in the flesh, resurrected in the flesh, and now lives in the same glorified flesh at the right hand of God the Father. Such was the plan of God. In verse 16, we see the shepherds. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Don't miss their, their reaction. There was no sense of hesitation. Let's go. Let's check this out. There's no procrastination. Let's, for example, like some of us do, hey, let's pray about this. Or perhaps we should seek the counsel of the wise rabbis. This brings an interesting question. Somebody says, well, what did they do with the sheep? Because sheep need a shepherd. Leave sheep alone, they get into trouble. Who watched over the sheep? We see here that these shepherds place far more value in the message they had heard than in the possessions they possessed. Did you hear that? They place more value in the message they heard than in the possessions they possessed. Do I, do we, in the same sense as shepherds, 
place more value in the message than what we possess? It's a good question, one to take to heart. And as you look at that verb, it says they, they were, the verb found. The word found, we said, well, they just found it. No, it indicates they didn't go directly to the manger, but they did find it after some searching. There's some effort involved on their part to kind of find out where is the baby Jesus? What's interesting, too, in this whole thing, it's, it's a bit conjecture, but I like to bring it up. It's a lovely thought that sometimes the shepherds who looked after the temple lambs, the sheep that they were looking after, would have been used for sacrifice at the temple in Jerusalem as, a, again, a, 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 an image of the fact that there would be someday a lamb that would shed his blood once and for all for humanity. So they left these temple lambs to first see the one Lamb of God who take away the sin of the world as seen in John 1, verse 29. Interesting thought. That all those sheep that have been slaughtered over the years in, in remembrance of what Christ would do in the future, that they were now looking at the one Lamb who would take away all the sin of the world in one sacrifice once and for all. Now in verse 17 we read here in God's Word, And when they saw it, that's the child, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. For them, seeing was believing. The angelic message was confirmed, and now they were God's messengers. They saw, and they shared. They were first to bear witness of the Savior to the world. The first people to spread the message of the good news of Christ being born to save humanity were shepherds. The lowest class in that day. As I said, their, their testimony even in the court of law wasn't even accepted at that point. But that's who God chose to use. And if God can use those shepherds, my friend, He can use you and I to bring the good news of Christ to a world that is lost and dying in sin and desperately in need of a Savior. I need to repeat that the greatest problem in this world is not the pandemic. The greatest problem in this world is sin. That people need a Savior who will save them from their sin. Are we excited about that message? Are we sharing that good news with people around us? Why would God choose such lowly servants? Do you ever feel you are poor, perhaps uneducated, and God can't use you? Think about the shepherds. God used them, and He can use you to do the same. Warren Worsby says this, For some reason, shepherds were not permitted to testify in court, but God used some humble shepherds to be the first human witnesses that the prophecy had been fulfilled and that the Messiah had been born. The angels will never experience the grace of God. They can't bear witness like we can as to what God can do to redeem a life. Telling others about the Savior is a solemn obligation for each one of us, as well as a great privilege. And we who are believers must be faithful to the message that God has placed within our hearts and our lives. The shepherd speaking about Jesus is a good model for all of us once we've seen him with the eyes of faith. How can we keep the good news to ourselves when most of the world is spiritually dead and without hope, hopelessly enslaved in their sin and blind to their need of a Savior? The shepherds were like the apostles in Acts who explained and said these words, we cannot stop speaking of what we have seen and heard in Acts 4.20. You can't stop us from sharing the good news of Christ because of what He's done in our lives. We want to tell everybody. And so often we're silent 
about the greatest news that has happened in any one of our lives. Uh, the greatest news of my life is not that I got married. The greatest news of my life is not that I had children. The greatest news of my life is that Jesus Christ saved me from my sin, my friend. And that should be the greatest news in your life too. Because it changes our trajectory. It changes our lives from where we're going in eternity to how we should live every day of our lives. Now you notice in verse 18, when the people heard what the shepherds were saying, it says, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. It caused a sense of amazement, a sense of like, wow, what's going on? Praise for God and gratitude for what he has done should motivate us to witness to others. Are you thankful for what God's done in your life? Are you thankful for how he saved you? Are you thankful for what's happening in your life? Then it should motivate you to spread the word to others. I'm so thankful for what Jesus Christ has done in my life, in my heart. When was the last time you shared that good news with someone? Because people need to hear that Jesus Christ is real and he's alive. He's at work in your heart and in my heart. Have you discovered our Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? And in so doing, couldn't help but share your faith. That's one thing I like about new people that have just really uh, put their faith in Christ, a new believer. Someone that's just come to a realization that they need Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They're so excited, they're so enthused, you can't shut them up. They're so excited because they know the peace and the freedom of what it means to know Christ as their Savior. They're thrilled. They, they tell everybody about it. And... Uh, it just, it's crazy just how wonderful and enthused they are. And I sometimes look at us who have been believers for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 odd years, and I'm thinking, where is the joy gone? Where is the enthusiasm gone? Folks, the thrill of what Christ has done for us should never, ever leave us. It should deepen, actually. And there should be, I think, a deepening sense of appreciation and understanding in my life that I thought, as I really comprehend, as I study God's Word, the greatness of my salvation, the greatness of what Christ did for me. And so, John MacArthur says this, from the very beginning, the life and ministry of Jesus caused people to marvel and be amazed. And fortunately, then as now, much of that amazement produced not commitment, but merely curiosity. When the shepherds heard the good news of the Savior's birth, they immediately sought him out. And all that is said of those who they witnessed to is that they wondered. They were amazed, but that was about it. It was great to hear that. And after the initial amazement wears off, they probably went on their lives as though nothing had happened. How sad. Uh, Verse 19 says this, But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Isn't that great? Ponder means to reflect deeply, sometimes followed by, giving a thorough and deep consideration to all the things that have transpired in her life. The shepherds had related to her the angelic announcement of the angels coming and sharing with them the good news of Christ. Mary had a lot to think about as she gazed into the face of her tiny child. She had a good reason to meditate. She's a beautiful picture of a humble, trusting heart who, in the midst of God's greatest plan, is just trying to grab a hold of, wow, God, what are you doing? Mary had been told that her child was going to be truly the Son of God by the angel Gabriel. Above all things, she knew that the Messiah, the very Son of God, had now come. She knew that. 
She'd been through so much, pregnant, yet unmarried. The possibility of being found out and rumors heaped upon rumors, the discussions with Joseph and her parents, the long trip to Nazareth, the exhaustion of giving birth without help in a smelly stable, the visit of some rough-hewn shepherds with an amazing story of a heavenly host proclaiming the praises of God. She was tired. She was exhausted, as she could be. She had so much to think about, and she was at the center of it all. But I want you to remember this. God works through all kinds of people and all kinds of events to accomplish His plan. I need to repeat that. God works through all kinds of people and all kinds of events to accomplish His plan in this world. You know, you might be going through something right now. It's not making sense to you at all. You're thinking, why am I going through this circumstance? Why is this situation just rocking my world? Why is this stuff going on? I don't like it. I've got a message for you, and that's this. Trust in God. He will see you through, and His purposes will be seen in everything you are going through. You won't understand it right now. You won't even comprehend it. My friend, I can look back at times in my life and I've, when I was going through circumstances in my life and I'm thinking like, why? 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 And truthfully, I can tell you that God didn't always answer the whys. But as I look back, I have a clearer perspective in trying to comprehend, okay, God, you were doing some neat things in my life that I just didn't get a hold of, but you were maturing me, you were growing me, you were strengthening me for far greater ministry. You ever think about that? Sometimes the things you're going through right now, that God's got a great plan for your life, and He's taking you through this so that He can use you in a greater way than ever before. Perhaps you're like me, then if that's the case, Lord, can we make this a little faster? I get that. I get that. We don't like sometimes the challenges and trials of life that come our way. But trust in God. He will indeed see you through. Then we read in verse 20, going back to the Scriptures. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. There's another observation, and it's rather a sad one I need to bring to your attention. Even though the shepherds had spread the message of the Messiah, Luke records that the shepherds were the only ones praising God. No one else is seeking, nobody else is praising about the Savior's coming. What's wrong with that picture? Uh, Don't we see the same thing today? God had fulfilled His promise through the angel, and this caused the shepherds to worship God. That's what the angelic hosts have been doing, praising and worshiping God. Now it's the shepherds. One day soon, my friend, one day soon, there will be angels and men glorifying God for the great gift of the gospel of our salvation, Jesus Christ. There is a day coming when all heaven and earth will proclaim, He is Lord. We're not there yet. We're getting closer, but we're not there yet. The shepherd spoke from the heart, and the words connected to the deepest needs of others around them. But let me conclude by saying this. When you talk about Jesus, start out with what you know best. Share with what, what is God doing in your life? What is that you can share with others? You say, you know, I, I want to share with you what God is doing in my life today. I want to share with you what God has taught me today. I want to share with you because God ought to be at the center of our focus in terms of what we say and what we do. So easy sometimes to talk about what's happening in the sports world. 
It's so easy to talk about what's happening in your world. But what about sharing what God is doing in and through your life? And sometimes, you know, you think, well, that begs the question, <laughs> what is God up to in my life? Maybe you're not in tune with Him to really know what's going on. And maybe it's time for you to get on your knees and say, God, work in my life. And Lord, open my eyes that I might see the things you're doing in my life so that in turn I might just give thankfulness to you, Father, at this time. And Lord, praise you for what you're doing and also share that Jesus Christ is alive and real and he's working in my life today. Tell the story of God in your life. You don't need to embellish and make it sound really good. I think that's sometimes the worst thing we can do is make it out that when I receive Christ as my Savior, that everything is just going hunky-dory, things are wonderful. Well, hey, my dog got healed, uh, my life is good, my bank account's great, and my life has never been better financially, prosperity, in terms of prosperity. And I'm thinking like, yeah, it's not real. Because you know what? Every one of us go through trials. Every one of us go through troubles. Every one of us go through struggles. And people will relate more to the struggles and trials that you share about your life than anything else. And you know, when I share with people some of the struggles that I've gone through in my life and how God saw me through, people stop and they listen. And they go like, oh, God brought you through that? I said, yeah. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He's the one that will see you through some of the most deepest waters you can ever go through. And he's the one you want to have that's walking with you through those challenges. Don't embellish. Don't hold back either. Your words will change many. God will use your testimony in terms of you, you sharing what he is doing in and through your life to change others to put their faith and trust in God. People want to see that in Christianity there's a real sense of, yes, God is at work. Yes, God is real. And the, oftentimes the only Bible people will read is your life. So share what God is doing in your life. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we talked about when Jesus steps into your life. And Lord, we're thankful for Christmas. We're thankful for the great gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, God incarnate, coming. And Father, we just pray that you grant us a Holy Spirit boldness in our lives to share the good news of Jesus with those who love you, and Lord, to share it with those especially who are in need all around us. Help us, Lord, to see this world the way you see it. A world that is lost. A world that is in darkness. Just like when you came, Father, so many, many years ago. You came to a world that was in darkness, that needed to see the light. You came to deliver people from their sin. And that message is still needed today, Father. So bless your word to our hearts, I pray. And I ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you. I hope you have a great week.